and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. I'm your host, Kitty Waters, serial entrepreneur and co-creator of the Network for Transformational Leaders. Each week, I interview top thought leaders that are changing the world. They share their life stories on tips on how you can find your purpose. We all have a gift we can bring to the world. Do you feel dead to life? Like there's more to it, but you don't know where to start. Perhaps you don't fit in and you can't understand why. Are you pushing all the time and getting nowhere? Do you long to finally be sure which is the right path for you? This podcast is sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. This eight-week online course, self-study, shows you how to find your purpose. The course demystifies the subject of Dharma and shows you that by following your highest excitement, you can unlock your greatest potential and create the life of your dreams. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your Dharma. Without further ado, let's dive into the next episode. Today, I interview Simon Ong. He's a life coach, business strategist, and international speaker. And Simon and I have a really fascinating conversation about how through deep inquiry and following the things that really, really interested him, he is now doing his current career. And this podcast is a really good source of wisdom and information for any budding coaches out there because he really talks about how to live again in the flow of life. But actually, it's really fascinating because it's a lot of what he says is really in alignment with what I talk about within Dharma. Yet how he says it is in a completely different way. So yeah, stay tuned all the way to the end of this episode because there's some real wisdom in this episode. So hello and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. And today I have a gentleman who is going to share his life story. And I know that you're going to find so much wisdom in his journey. My guest today is Simon Ong. He is a life coach, business strategist and speaker. So Simon, welcome to Kitty Talks. Thank you, Kitty. It's a pleasure to be here today. Well, I'm very excited to hear your story, your journey, but for our listeners, would you mind just giving them an idea about who you are and what you're up to in the world currently? Well, at the moment, uh, apart from working with clients privately, uh, I also speak at a variety of events and conferences, and I'm also currently looking to launch an online community around mm-hmm. the work I do to give people access uh, to that, regardless of where they're based in the world. Fantastic. Fantastic. And what I love to do on Kitty Talks is explain people's transformational stories and journeys, because, you know, it sounds like you're a multifaceted, multi-talented entrepreneur. (laughs) Um, And I truly believe, (laughs) I truly believe we all have a gift that we can bring to the world. So I'd love to understand a little bit more about your journey and your story. So can you take us back and give us a sort of overview of how you got into what you're doing? Yeah, sure. So Looking back at the journey so far, I think there were three moments that have played a big part 
in my evolution, if you will. The first was when I was 19, before I attended university, my mother unfortunately passed away. Mm. uh, And that was very unexpected, but it was also an experience that began to teach me a lot about life, Uh, began the journey, if you will, to question a lot of things about life and to mature in a way I think few people uh, would have experienced, especially at that young age. Uh, The second moment for me was failing my second year of university at the London School of Economics, which I attended. Uh, Up until that point, it was very much, you know, get good grades, go to a good school. And so this experience of failing a year and having to reset that, uh, in hindsight, maybe it was a, a sign that formal education wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it, it it got me sort of curious about what is it I wanted to learn and it sort of raised a few personal questions. And then I think the third one that comes to mind is when I started my career in the financial industry, I started a year before the global financial crisis kicked off in 2008 and really took hold. I started in the summer of 2007 at a company called Lehman Brothers. And so that compounded the misery of not just being in the financial industry during such a chaotic time and volatile time, but also in one of the companies synonymous uh, with the financial crisis. And I think it was a culmination of these, uh, these three moments that got me on the path to question one, I guess, what is it I really wanted to do? Because up mm. until that point, life was quite linear. Uh, you, you know, I kind of fell into doing things because my parents or after my mom passed away, my father uh, guided me towards particular things. But this crisis, this sort of uh, part of my life in the early part of my career started the question of what I really wanted to do. And I know from speaking to lots of people, many know what they don't want anymore. Uh, but what we do want, while a simple question is often very complex in nature, because I think few of us give that question its due thought to think what is it really we want out of life. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I think what you described there happens to probably 99% of humans is that we're brought up in a certain cultural environment and we're told, you know, the, the path is go to school, get a good education, come out, get a good job, get a good, you know, work in the city. And at some point, you know, we have some like epiphany that actually, is this actually what I want to be doing? And will it make me happy? And probably the answer is no. <laughs> So what did you do from there, Simon? So from that moment, uh, I, I, when, when Lehman Brothers, part of my career finished, I still stayed within the financial industry for the following couple of years. So I moved between uh, a few jobs. Uh, I think the question at the time was when you had a job, it was more about how long could you be in that job before you were looking for another one? Uh, because stability was, was quite rare at that time. Uh, but that experience with Lehman Brothers uh, was a catalyst for me to begin thinking what is it I wanted to do. And the one thing that kept popping up into my mind was that curiosity into understanding what made individuals and organizations successful. And it's that curiosity that led me in the first place to coaching. Uh, You know, I had exposure to coaching in in my uh, corporate career. And so that was naturally the first step for me to uh, 
explore that interest and curiosity. And so around sort of five years ago, which feels a lifetime away now, a lifetime ago, uh, I enrolled on uh, a course to be qualified as a coach. And that's how things started beginning. That's how the transition started was once I started exploring this new area, I became so fascinated about it. I decided to, like Alice in Wonderland, jump into the rabbit hole and see where it would lead me. Fantastic. So it was almost like your passion and your interest took over and you followed the things that lit you up or that you were really curious about. Totally, totally. And I think often, uh, you know, we, we all talk, there's a lot of talk about purpose. And I think purpose can be quite heavy and overwhelming. You know, some people might say, I don't know what my purpose is yet. I'm still finding what my purpose is uh, before I decide the next step I want to take. And often that can feel uh, quite a burden to wait until you know what your purpose is. But something I found that was a softer, more useful approach for me at the time was simply by starting with what am I most curious about? Mm. And to allow curiosity to lead me forward to see where that curiosity will lead with no attachment to whether things will work out or not, but just kind of see, let's just see what it's like. Mm, and cool. I think one step at a time, things started to build from there and momentum started to, to pick up. You're talking my language, Simon. So the purpose conversation is one of my, well, my favorite conversation and I call it following the breadcrumbs of your passions you know, because like you described there, you, you, you just were curious, you know, you were curious about the coaching. And then I, you know, what I've seen having interviewed over 130 people is now is like the, almost like the next piece of the puzzle becomes available or it, it opens up to you when you take the action towards what it is that you are passionate about. The next step becomes obvious almost. Totally, Kitty. It's like whenever we start a journey, uh, and especially with life, there's no roadmap given to us at the beginning. It's unlike when you start in a formal educational establishment like university, you already know ahead of time what the roadmap looks like. But when it's your own life and you're kind of beginning this most exciting adventure, you're not always given that roadmap. And so action is always, from my experience, the best way to begin piecing that roadmap together. Because as you begin to follow those breadcrumbs, take those small steps, more of that map starts to get revealed to you but it only gets revealed to you as you begin taking those steps forward because you start to unlock opportunities, relationships, uh, and even more curiosities, uh, more questions that you wouldn't have had if you hadn't taken that first step. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So great advice for people listening. You know, if you are unsure, you know, what is it that you're most curious about at the moment? That will be your starting point. And uh, so, how did you, how did you build? your coaching business? Because there's a lot of my listeners who are coaches who are struggling actually to build their coaching business. Any advice for our listeners? Sure. I think with uh, building a coaching business, it, there's a lot of similarities with uh, building a business generally. And the first place I think it starts and something I learned uh, during my time in building my business is everything begins with identity. Uh, and this reminds me of uh, something Usain Bolt shared in an interview when he was asked towards the end of his career as he was planning his retirement, you know, how, what was your thinking process like before you started breaking records and becoming mm. the brand, the persona and celebrity you are today? And 
he said, it wasn't the fact I said to myself, I'm working towards becoming an Olympic athlete. I'm working towards getting that gold medal. I'm working towards being the most well-known in the sport I do for the 100 or 200 meters. He said it began with identity in similar fashion to Muhammad Ali, who he drew inspiration from. Ali never said, I'm working and training to be the world champion. He said, I am the best. I am the greatest. And so Usain Bolt said, I woke up one morning and just said to myself, what would I do today if I was already a world record-breaking gold medalist Olympic champion and known by the world over? And from that day, he started waking up earlier. He embraced new, more empowering habits. He hired a coach, a mentor, a nutritionist, a training team. And so decisions were made from identity. And so bringing this back to developing a coaching business, mm. the fundamental first step from a mindset point of view is seeing yourself as a coach, seeing yourself as a coach. And a lot of people I speak with is they're probably making a transition from, say, corporate full-time to a coach or from another career to coaching. And often they haven't, they're not seeing themselves as a coach yet because once you do, coming from that place of identity of I am a coach, the decisions you make, how you engage in conversation suddenly changes drastically mm. when you see yourself as that identity first. So that's the first fundamental step. It sounds like there might be a few more. So I'm curious to know, are there, are there more sitting behind this? Because this is good stuff. Yeah, no, definitely. So as I said, the first is the identity. And when you come from identity, that helps to start your routine and structure. Uh, you know, routine and structure is very important because especially if you're moving from a corporate job to the entrepreneurship world. There are two different mindsets. One, when you're in the corporate world, you're very much thinking from the mindset as an employee. Uh, mm -hmm. So we'll call that employee mindset. And as you move to entrepreneurship, there's a very different mindset associated with that. Uh, let's call that the entrepreneur mindset. Now, when you're of an employee mindset, you are given a structure and routine. You're told what time you've got to come into work, when your meetings are, uh, you know, when the boss leaves the office, then you can leave the office or you've got after work, social drinks. Your schedule is kind of already made for you uh, by and large. Now, when you are an entrepreneur, however, you start with ground zero. You have no structure and routine. And it's understanding what is the structure and routine for you uh, that will help you, to help you the most to move you closer to where you want to be. Uh, and I think that is something that we don't pay enough attention to because especially in a world of social media and uh, magazines and uh, social media, showing all the successes, glamorizing all the sort of uh, people that have made lots of money or uh, have become famous for a particular product or service, what we don't see is what goes on behind the scenes. We often are blind uh, to whether it's the sacrifices, uh, the early mornings, the long nights, uh, you know, the work that gets done that most people will never see because it's that consistency of doing what most won't, which allows us to enjoy what most can't. And going back to this sort of sports analogy again, it reminds me of this, uh, the journey of Mike Tyson uh, mm. when he uh, was a young boxer looking to become a world champion. And his trainer at the time, Castamata, an Italian 70-year-old uh, trainer of boxers, uh, told him, uh, this is the regime you're going to do. You're going to wake up at four every morning. We're going to pound the pavements three to five miles. And we're going to do lots of sparring and training. 
to make you the youngest heavyweight champion of the world. And in an interview at the end of his, towards the end of his career, Mike Tyson said, no one wants to wake up at four in the morning and run three to five miles. And the only reason I did it is because I felt the other person wasn't doing it. Uh, and eventually by 1986, the end of 1986, he became the youngest heavyweight champion of the world. And it was through that consistency of a structure and a routine uh, that is driven by the first point I shared, the identity, that over time compounds into the results that people see on the outside. So can you translate that into a coach? So somebody's listening, they're a coach. How does that analogy translate into a coach trying to build their coaching business and trying to attract clients? Is this having a certain number of conversations, for example, per week with potential clients or... Yeah, totally. So uh, if I use myself as an example, Kitty, so when I first started uh, developing my business, I was thinking to myself, uh, well, the state, the statement that comes to mind is be attached to no outcome, open to everything. Now, what I learned from that is by and large, we can't control all the outcomes. There's various mm-hmm. other factors at play. But what we can control is what can we do in the next 24 hours? what is in my control that I can focus on because then action will fuel me. If I focus on what is outside my control or what I have less control of, then I just get paralyzed by overthinking. And so a couple of the things I started doing to develop my business is one, I ensured that every single week I was engaging, uh, meeting new people, having uh, conversations, whether that were offline or online, uh, in order to listen to what people are going through, challenges, uh, projects, personal journeys, so that I can understand perhaps where I could help them. Uh, that was one. Mm. Uh, second was also exploring speaking. Uh, one of the things I think, and I still think today, is speaking is a highly underrated marketing tool. Mm. You know, when uh, I see a lot of businesses that first start, uh, regardless of industry, the first tool we tend to jump for is social media. Mm. It's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's Twitter. And that's because it's the easiest. It's free and it's the easiest uh, marketing tool to jump to. But actually speaking, especially at an early stage, requires some courage and vulnerability. But what happens is when you put yourself out there, you're giving people a mini experience, if you will, Mm. of what you're about. Mm. You're giving people a chance to experience what you can help them with. Uh, because if they don't have that, then sometimes the word coaching can be quite abstract. Mm. It can be quite abstract for them to understand until they experience it. And it's kind of like if I were to describe to you a close-up magic trick, your connection or amazement at that would be very different to if a magician walked into your room right now and did a trick. That would be a far more powerful experience than if you just heard someone describe it to you. Mm. Absolutely. But I like what you're saying, because it's basically saying take aligned action with no attachment to the outcome. And I I bet that's had some incredible results that you probably never even saw or things come at you and you think, I didn't see that coming. But when you have no attachment to the outcome, it's almost like the opportunities can come in where you least expect them. Exactly. And and I love dissecting this, this statement because for me, it's it's one of the most powerful, but also the hardest thing to practice, especially when you're just starting business, being attached to no outcome, open to everything. Uh, and being attached to no outcome simply means you are focused on the process 
and the structure and routine every day, which is just continuing with that and not being distracted by if things work out or not. Because what often happens is, you know, again, just sort of referencing sport, it's far easier for a team uh, to win their first trophy, but infinitely harder to retain it the second, the third, and the fourth time because complacency has a higher probability of creeping in, especially if we see success as a destination. But if we don't see success as a destination and we see success as how we show up, how we serve, how we uh, give value to the marketplace, then success almost becomes a lifestyle that we embrace, that we work towards living each day. And, and that's the purpose of detaching from the outcome is that you embody the values that you eventually want to become now and then everything kind of works out in its place. You see, it's fascinating for me. And a Chinese parable. Well, no, I was just going to compare it because I've got two phrases I use and it's similar to what you're saying, which I love. So one of my favorite sayings is follow your highest excitement to the best of your ability with no expectation on the outcome which is actually very similar to mm. what, what you're describing. And then another one I love is that you set an intention and then you give it attention with no tension. So it's almost you, you trust in the outcome, which is there, there's different ways of saying almost like the same thing. Mm. Totally. I love, I love that sort of how, how similar we think there because uh, just as I was, just as you were speaking there, this, this Chinese parable comes to mind that I often share uh, talks I do to explain this detachment to outcome, which is really talking about perspective. Uh, and in a nutshell, this parable talks about this farmer that's living in a village and he gets a lot of his income from this horse that him and his family own. And the villagers uh, say to this farmer, what great luck, you've got this lovely horse that's producing you income for the family. You're such a lucky person. And the farmer simply says, maybe, maybe not. The next morning, the horse bolts out of the yard and escapes from the farm. And the villagers say, what bad luck? And the farmer simply replies, maybe, maybe not. Mm. The next day, the horse comes back with six more horses. And the villagers say, wow, what great luck. You've got even more horses now. <laughs> the farmer says, maybe, maybe not. And then the next day, while the son's out tending to the horses, one of them kicks him and the son ends up breaking his leg. And again, the villagers say, what bad luck to the farmer. And he simply replies, maybe, maybe not. And on the final day, the army comes to the town, the village, and rounds up all able-bodied people to fight for the army, except they couldn't recruit the son because he broke his leg. Mm. And again, the villagers said, what great luck. And the farmer simply ended by saying, maybe, maybe not. Mm. And I think what it shows us is that perspective can play a powerful role in how we create our reality. Mm. The events will happen, but it's how we interpret, how we see things that ends up creating our reality. But also in the second part of that statement, being open to everything, means that we're adaptable. Mm. It means that we can adapt to uh, changing situations. Like Darwin said, it's not the strongest or fittest uh, that survive, but it's, it's the one that's most adaptable. Mm. And we see that in business as well. I mean, you look at Netflix and Blockbuster. You know, Netflix mm. was running a business model similar to Blockbuster in which it was renting out uh, DVDs, uh, mm. movies for you and I to watch at home. 
Mm. And then Netflix saw the changing demands and changing ways that we as consumers were receiving media, that it completely shifted its model to be a streaming only service. And Blockbuster didn't adapt and it's now non-existent. Mm. But I, I, I truly love what you're saying, Simon, because we're, we're definitely of the same sort of school of thought. Because I always say we shape our reality through our mindset which is exactly the same thing. You know, if you're, I think as human beings, we, we innately tend to look at what's not going right for us and then focus on what's not going right. Whereas what I will always teach the people that I work with is actually like you've just described in your parable, I believe everything's happened for, for the right reason and everything is there to protect and serve me. So like you said, you, you are flexible, you are bendable, you are adaptable, you are non-attached. So you are always looking for the blessing and you're always looking for why these things are making you better or stronger leaders, you know, asking empowering questions to enable you to get through maybe the wobbles on your, of your journey. Mm. No, I, I, I agree, Kitty. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's powerful. It reminds me of an assumption I always embrace and I encourage my clients to embrace is that just imagine uh, we assumed that life is always working for us. In that every event, every person, every conversation we have is meant to happen for a reason. Even the person that has wronged you or rubbed you up the wrong way, uh, that that was meant to happen because you would not have learned a lesson or received an experience if that never occurred. And when we think of it that way, actually we don't become connected emotionally to those circumstances, but we are always in a productive learning mode. We're always taking lessons from those events and experiences to move forward in our own journey. Mm. Yeah, and I think it also causes us to look for what has been the flip side of a certain situation and what has been the blessing. And actually, what can happen with human beings is we get stuck, don't we? If we're focusing on this is bad is happening, this is bad is happening, we we, we get stuck. And life is a perpetual, 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 oh, I can't say it, perpetually moving. You know, and so if we're always looking for how it's supporting us, then we are in that slipstream of life and we're able to move through more tricky situations by looking for how life is supporting us and how it is happening for us. So, yeah, we're definitely of the same mindset. Mm. And, and this is why uh, going back to what I was saying earlier about understanding what is it we want uh, and why we're doing something, you know, why as we're talking now, why are we looking to develop this business? What is important to us about developing this business of ours? Because what I find is that when we have clarity of what's most important, when we have clarity on what our priorities are, productivity becomes easy. Uh, you know, productivity becomes effortless because we can envision uh, the importance of the work we do. We can understand our priorities. But when we don't, when we don't have that clarity of what's most important, then we become easily distracted. Uh, we get easily sidetracked uh, by every new shiny object that gets placed in front of us. But when we've got that clarity, it, you know, people often say clarity is power because it gives us focus. And it reminds me of something Cal Newport said in that focus is today's IQ. Uh, with all this increasing demands on our attention and attention spans getting shorter and shorter, our ability to focus on what's most important for our journey and for our growth and our business uh, success is the biggest differentiator between those saying what they want to do and those who achieve. 
So put that into context for me for our budding coach who's listening, who's building their business. Just put that into what you just said there into that context. So it's about having clarity of about what they, who they're serving and who they're trying to impact. Definitely. It, it reminds me of something Stephen Covey said where he, one of his chapters, he said, begin with the end in mind. And beginning with the end in mind is simply understanding uh, how do you want to serve people? What are the benefits people are going to get when they work with you? And once we begin with the end in mind, we can work backwards. And that journey is different for all of us. You know, there's no one blueprint that if you follow, you get the exact same success as someone else, Mm. purely because we're all different. We have different strengths. But if we take a moment to begin with the end in mind and understand in what ways do we want to impact the lives of others? In what ways can we serve in a way that differs from other coaches? And what happens is that we begin to understand the steps we can take moving forward. And especially when you first start, if you're a budding coach, where focus comes in is understanding what's most important for you right now in developing your business. And keep in mind, this is different for everyone. So right now, it could be focusing on scheduling conversations in your diary. Uh, It could be uh, getting better at your enrollment conversations. But again, it'll be different for each person. Someone might be very good at enrolling. Uh, and so for them is to understand how they can scale if they're starting to get a few clients through the doors already. For someone else, it could be, I'm getting too many clients now. I need to understand how I can raise my prices in order to manage supply and demand. Or for many coaches, it could be, well, I just need clients. And so if we look at the problem that is faced by many coaches, i.e., I need clients, how do I get clients? I think when we go into every conversation, it's not to, as I was saying earlier, not to focus on the outcome because most people, when they go into a conversation to sell, regardless of industry, are always thinking, is that person in front of me going to say yes? And is he or she going to sign up as a client? Now, the issue with that is you're already living in the future. Mm. So you can't be present in Mm. that conversation. Mm, really listening to the person in front of you to be able to serve them in the best possible way. And the only focus should be by slowing down, being absolutely present and giving them an experience that they'll never forget because so few of us have enjoyed the experience of being deeply listened to that when we are able to enjoy that experience, often we want to continue it or we want to find out how we can take this further. So we come from a place of serving first, and I, and I call this value in the sense that our worth as an individual business is directly correlated to how much more value we deliver than we take in payment. Mm. Then what happens is naturally the sale to a client becomes much, much easier mm. because it becomes so soft. When you understand what the challenges are from a prospect client, when you understand where they need help the most, that effortlessly allows you to start positioning yourself as someone that can help them. You know, if someone, as an example, says, uh, well, in my current situation, my biggest challenge is I've got two children, so I don't have enough time for myself and pursuing what my real interests are, and also my job is quite stressful. If we've deeply listened to that information without thinking of the cell, when we get towards the point of us trying to present a solution, we can use those uh, data, if you will, that we've collected and learned from their world, from stepping into their world by simply asking things such as, 
what would be possible? What would it look like for you if working together, we could create a scenario in which you had more time to focus on what's most important, to pursue those interests you've mentioned to me earlier, while reducing the stress that you've talked about at great lengths from the corporate job you're doing at the moment. And naturally from that point, you're coaching them towards the cell by simply, again, just focusing on being present, just baby step walking them through that journey Mm. rather than being attached to whatever the outcome is going to be. Mm. And usually the outcome looks after itself. Mm. You know, it's like a, a saying I often say, as long as you or I have given our best shot today, if we can honestly say to ourselves in the mirror at the end of each day, we've given our best shot, we've done our best today, then in time, everything else will look after itself. Mm. Wonderful. Really, really wonderful advice. So I know that our listeners would have got so much sort of value from this conversation because it's really lovely to hear you know, your philosophies on life and your wisdom and how you serve people. And I, you know, I can really see that you are a very talented individual and I'm sure you're working much magic in the world. So I really appreciate you coming on to Kitty Talks and sharing your story. How can our listeners connect with you more? Sure. So if my listeners, if the listeners today want to connect, uh, the best way uh, is either by going to my website, which is simonalexanderong.com and signing up to the newsletter there, which uh, gets you into my mailing list, but also keeps you updated with the work I'm doing. Uh, As mentioned at the beginning of this call, I'm looking to launch an online community uh, in in the next couple of weeks. So then you can get a heads up on that. But otherwise, other ways uh, is through social media. Uh, I'm on most platforms, so Instagram, and Twitter, the handle is at Simon Alexander O. Uh, also on Facebook. And if you are a YouTube watcher, uh, I also have a channel on YouTube, which uh, captures a lot of my video content, as well as some talks that I've recently uh, presented at. Beautiful. Well, we will have all of Simon's details in the show notes. So if you missed any of that, you will be able to connect with him through the show note details. But Simon, thank you so much. I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. It was really, uh, really lovely to be with you today. My pleasure, Kitty, and likewise. And uh, perhaps a final thought to leave the viewers with is that, you know, a question I often get asked about what the quickest way to succeed in any area of our life is. And the answer to that, to perhaps leave people with a thought to take away, is to design an environment that makes it impossible for you not to succeed. Nice. We will have to ponder that one because that will obviously be different to, for everybody. But I presume it starts with your head up here. Indeed. (laughs) Fabulous. Okay, well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us on Kitty Talks. And um, we will see you next week with another fantastic guest. So thank you for listening to Kitty Talks. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Simon, a beautiful human being, really changing lives with his work. And as you can see, again, he's another example of somebody who's really gone after what excites them gone after what really interests him and now he's made a successful career out of being a life coach so if you're on the fence remember do your dharma it's the way we come alive it's what we're meant to do we've come here to evolve come here to grow and remember your passions are your breadcrumbs to the correct trail in life 
and we'll see you next week on Kitty Talks. And if you haven't already, please come join my Facebook group. Please come follow us on Instagram and social media and sign up to my uh, website, kittytalks.com and get regular updates from me. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Kitty Talks podcast. I do hope you enjoyed this episode and I too hope you were inspired to take action towards your dream life. You know, all it takes is aligned daily action towards your dreams and they will come to fruition. They will be created. You are an energetic being and you're more powerful than you've ever been taught. If you want some help and support, come and join us. Doyadharma.co.uk. Apply now. We're taking applications and we're going to help you support you creating the dream life. This is why you came.